0: I was surprised about uh, how many people die alone. Uh, like they live alone, they die alone, and they're undiscovered for a really long time. That really surprised me. That, that saddened me, because I, you know that means that nobody was, was checking on them, nobody cared to even look.
1: Welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Laura Spaulding. She is the founder and franchiser of Spaulding Decon, a leading contamination company in the United States. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really?
0: Good, good. Thank you for having me today.
1: Of course, I am so excited. You have an amazing story, first of all. So you you were in law enforcement and then after about seven years and serving in the military, you started Spalding Decon. Tell me a little bit about that journey.
0: You know, it was one of those things that was like, just kind of hit me in the head. I was looking for a business to start and I was really getting frustrated that I couldn't find anything because I didn't have a lot of money. So I needed to find something that I could kind of maybe do as a side hustle. And uh, one night while working a homicide, um, the victim's mom asked me when we were coming back to clean it up and i didn't know the answer to it and nobody had ever asked me that before so i started on this like fact-finding mission to see who helps these people after you know a a cleanup is needed and i found out that um, very few to little at that time back in 2005 uh there was hardly any help at all for these people so i i thought you know what this is it for me because um, i'm around this i've been exposed to this for so long Uh, i feel like i'm the perfect person to help them
1: It is so incredible that you saw that need and decided to fill it because I never would have thought about that. I guess until you're in that situation where you need someone to be able to help you clean up, you would never think who would do that. And I guess you may assume that law enforcement is going to do that. So for you to recognize in that moment, how much that need was there and to step up and do it is absolutely incredible. So in the beginning, was it hard to be able to start doing that because I imagine it's very overwhelming is the word I want to use?
0: Yeah, it is. Um, I think the hardest part for me was the I didn't realize how much construction was involved, and I don't have a background in construction. I am not a handy person at all. so when it came to you know removing walls and drywall and uh doors and base plates and you know all these different things I was out of my element so and I was you know my only employee I didn't have anybody so what I started to do is I would uh hire people that I knew were handy so I could work next to them and they would teach me how to do it
1: that is so smart so when you first started were you surprised by any
0: certain type
1: of cleanup scene that you had more than others.
0: Yeah, I was surprised about uh how many people die alone. Uh like they live alone, they die alone and they're undiscovered for a really long time. Mm-hmm. That really surprised me that that saddened me because I you know that means that nobody was was checking on them, nobody cared to even look.
1: That sounds so just heartbreaking yeah it is did this have any toll on your mental health as you were kind of navigating it?
0: yeah I mean it's it's very heavy the work the work that we do is extremely heavy um, you know you you try not to ask any questions but sometimes you're just there to listen uh, to people so you you get the story without wanting to know or without asking and of course that makes it harder.
1: That makes sense. And I'm sure that when you're there to to kind of clean up something that is so painful, hearing the story as well behind it can definitely add an extra level. Now, jumping more into mental health, I'm wondering if you see a lot of need for cleaning up after suicides
0: yeah there is um and it doesn't it hasn't ebbed and flowed over the years it's pretty much always remained consistent uh the the quantity i'm talking about um you know the the age groups vary the reasons vary uh it's all you know rich people poor people it's it's you know it's it's everybody it affects everybody there's no one that is can escape that type of uh stress
1: that makes sense, and I think that we hear in the news that there's these spikes, there's these declines that it's really one specific age group or it's one gender, and we don't realize how it really does impact everybody, so when you are there after someone has um died by suicide. I know you said that sometimes people tell you and talk to you about the stories. What is the aftermath that you've really seen?
0: You know, some of them are, uh, the, the, the survivors are surprised, but many of them are not. So many of them, I guess, you know, expected it or saw it coming. And, uh, there's just, you know, this country does a really terrible job of mental health, uh, you know, health care and mental health is just horrible. It's either not covered or barely covered. Um, and that's horrible and it's not helping things at all. Um, but, you know, there's people that are dying by suicide because they are uh, they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And this country doesn't even let us, in most states, let us die with dignity, you know, let us die on our own terms. They want they'll let our animals do it, but they won't let us do it. So uh I've never agreed with that. You know, there's a couple states like Oregon that that allow that. And uh that's unfortunately where if you're you know, if you have a terminal illness and you just don't want to put your your family and yourself through that, you have to move to another state to be able to have an assisted suicide.
1: Wow, I never would have thought about that. How People um, diagnosed with terminal illness may want to be able to die with dignity. That has never even crossed my mind. So I'm really happy that you brought that up because I think when it comes to suicide, we see it as, oh, they were dealing with depression and that's it. And we don't account for so many other reasons. There are reasons of, like you said, terminal illness. Um, There are people who've been abused or from trauma. There's different types of mental illness that may lead to suicide. It's not necessarily just this one thing, just depression. So I'm really happy you brought that up. Now, after someone has called um, your company and needs someone to go, you mentioned again, like the family. What have you really learned as um, we talked about it? I'm trying to think of the right words. We talked about the first time we connected. But maybe it's, what do you wish people knew beforehand?
0: Before it happened or before they call us?
1: Um, Before it happened. So you mentioned when we first connected about um, what the family members go through and what you wish people who have um, ended their lives would have known beforehand.
0: You know, I think uh, we are so busy in our day-to-day lives that a lot of times we're not paying attention But there's always a sign. There's always a social cue and it's important that you are able to have open and honest conversations with your family and your friends um, that they shouldn't fear any repercussions. So the reason that it ends in suicide and you might be extremely surprised, it's because you just weren't paying attention. The signs are always there. You just have to see them.
1: What do you think are some of the biggest warning signs to watch out for?
0: Well, I think it varies, so like for example, in a uh, terminal illness situation, um, it's typically you know someone that's that's mentioning I don't want to put my family you know through the toll of taking care of me when I'm no longer you know allowed to do that and then you know the the reaction shouldn't be, "Oh my God, oh my God, you know, I don't want you thinking about suicide. It should be more open as maybe we should relocate to a state that allows this so you can die in your own way you know and then when it comes to the other side um like maybe young people there's always a sign with them it's you know if they're 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 depressed they're sad they're withdrawn um they're just feeling you know worthless uh we all go through that you know being a kid is is extremely difficult um you know, kids are harsh, they're they're very judgmental. And, uh, you know, hopefully they end up growing out of it. But that's a hard time. And that is the most important time that your family needs to be a strong unit.
1: I completely agree. And I think what a lot of people don't account for when it comes to youth today is the fact that bullying doesn't stop now when someone leaves school doesn't stop during the summer. We have phones, and 24-7, even though they say, oh, young kids shouldn't be on social media, but they are. They are. Whether or not their parents know, whether or not their parents are trying to monitor, a lot of kids are on social media. And their profiles may not indicate that they are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And they are constantly exposed to not just the bullying, but all the bad news in the world. So they're in a very unique position than we were 10 years ago, even when I was a child. Um, I'm 23 now, and when I was growing up, iPhones were coming out when I was in the end of middle school. So it's a completely different ball game now kids growing up at eight years old having iPhones. So focusing in on kids, um, you mentioned that you have a really strong dedication to mental health awareness. What do you think is the best advice you could give maybe to a parent about how to be there for a kid?
0: I think parents need to be way more involved than what they are. Uh, There is this uh, kind of notion in this country that you just drop them off at school and you expect teachers to raise your kid and you need to be more involved. You need to see what they're doing. If they're going to have a phone, you need to be on their social media channels. You need to be monitoring them you just be involved more. Stop like just sitting in front of a TV and sending them off to school and expecting everybody else to raise your kid. So that, that to me is just so frustrating.
1: I completely agree. I mean, it's really important to know what's happening in your kid's life because there is so much out of our control in this world right now. There is so much happening all the time. But the more you can show up in a supportive way, It doesn't have to be, oh, I don't want to be that overbearing, overcontrolling parent. You don't have to be overcontrolling to be watching what they're doing, to ask questions, to support them, to see maybe someone's commenting something a little mean on their Instagram. Let's ask them, is this affecting you? Is this something that's hurting you or is this a joke? And how do you feel about it? Right. Just showing up is so important. Absolutely. So. When we first connected, you also mentioned that you have these educational videos that you make during cleanup. Can you walk us through what those videos look like?
0: Yeah, so in our day-to-day of kind of you know, cleanups, we, we clean up a lot of different things, borders, um, some suicides, some unattended deaths, homicides. What we try to do is we film these cleanups so people can see what the cleaner, the technician, goes through, what we go through, and the before and afters of the impact. We've had such a positive response on it, on posting these things. Um, Of course, we always get media releases and everything, but we've had such a positive response. We've, We've received a lot of like DMs of maybe people that were considering suicide and have changed their mind because they never actually thought about what happens after. And they didn't want to. They didn't want to leave their families with that type of burden. Uh, but once they saw that, like, oh my God, that's you know that's reality. So that was super super rewarding for us to hear that.
1: I really admire that you do that because it is so true. We don't get to really see the other side, so we don't know until really it's too late. In that sense, so within the educational videos. Is there an age? um, Sorry, my dog is walking right behind me. Um, Is there an age range that you would recommend to be allowed to watch it or able to watch it? Yeah, it's 18 and older. 18
0: and uh, older. Yeah, that's the parameters that we put on our social media. Um, You know, not that we can prevent that. Obviously, um, somebody can lie about their age, but I, I feel it's better suited for 18 and older.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that because I think, again, going back to what we were saying about kids paying attention to those age limits and recognizing that just because you feel that you're mature enough to watch it doesn't mean you should. So I really love that you give that um, age limit. So now going back to what you said about how after watching these videos, um, people have thanked you and it really saved their life so i know you have a very unique perspective on suicide and suicide prevention i would love if you would kind of dive deeper into that
0: yeah you know this topic comes up a lot in our company just because of obviously the nature of what we do but um this is what we train on is is to never pass a judgment in any situation uh regardless of of the type of cleanup that we do but um you know you never know what someone's going through you ne- there's it's impossible to know that and that's why i think it's really important to reserve judgment um, i probably have a very unique perspective on suicide um for whatever reason but i feel like it's a very personal choice um and it's it's that individual's choice and that shouldn't be judged and i hate when people say oh my god that was so selfish when what i really want to say is that no actually you were probably selfish because you never even paid attention to the signs to notice what that person was going through. Like, they, it's not selfish for somebody to say, I can no longer do this anymore. I need help. And if there's no help, then they have every right to do whatever they want with their life, is is my personal opinion. And that might differ from a lot of other people, but I hate when people say, Oh my God, that was so selfish. Cause I couldn't not could not disagree more with that statement.
1: I completely agree with you that I hate when people say that was so selfish. I remember after my uncle passed away, um, we went to the bank, you know, to handle the accounts. And um, the person assisting us was like, he's so selfish. He's a coward. And I remember my aunt and I just looking at her and how do you have the right to make that assumption about somebody you don't even exactly. know first exactly. of all and how do you think that's comforting but that's kind of the stigma around suicide and mental health that for someone to end their life they have to be selfish they weren't yeah. thinking about anyone else and
0: when it's you... actually the opposite
1: <laughs> exactly. it's actually the
0: opposite yeah yeah i i couldn't agree with you more
1: because when you get to that point like you had said before if you can't find a support system and maybe you don't know how to ask completely we're not taught this we are not taught this in school we learn calculus no one tells us how to advocate for our mental health how to speak up we're actually taught not to by all the jokes and the words that we use telling people to suck it up grow up don't cry like a baby stop acting like a girl all those comments so we're teaching people not to speak up and then were like, well, they should have said something. So there's a lot that goes into this. But for someone to look at someone and be like, they're selfish for trying. People don't realize how hard and long people try to keep going before it gets to that point. It's not necessarily always, uh, I'm done. I'm going to do it. A lot of people go through days, weeks, months, years of feeling like they can't do it anymore before they get to that point.
0: I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, it's a it's not a decision that most people take lightly and it's typically a decision that they make after every other effort has been tried or taken and there's just no other option at that point and they feel like they're just at the end and um, you know if I, I kind of like to give an analogy to it, if your arm was diseased, the doctor would tell you to cut it off to save the rest of you, right? So, you know, it's it's kind of like that. You've tried every single thing and nothing is working. And it's just, it's not getting any better. It could be an imbalance, a chemical imbalance. Most people wanna just attribute it to oh, it's just an environmental, you know, he just lost his job or something. It's never just one thing. It never is. And when there's no other options, you know, that that's the, the choice that people make.
1: Exactly. And like you said, no other options. And sometimes people can't see any other option in front of them because they are struggling so hard. And looking back at it, we might be like, well, an option was to come talk to us. But if we were having these conversations more regularly beforehand, a lot of things could be different. So although we can't change what has happened in the past, and as someone who has lost someone to suicide, I do want to say, like, my heart genuinely goes out to every single person who has gone through it. But moving forward, we have to start normalizing the conversation of how are you? And not just how are you? How are you really? Because how are you is a greeting for some reason. Yes. Yes. For some reason, we've made it a greeting. So how are you really? Take the time to ask people to check in, to listen. What is the best advice you could offer someone to maybe start that conversation of how are you really?
0: Um, I think if there's someone in your life, uh, we're, we're also busy, right? We're busy with work, we're busy with school. And I think it's important to just put your phone down stop watching tv and actually have meaningful conversations with your friends and family and then you'd be surprised of the dialogue that you'll get out of that
1: i love how you said put the phone down turn the tv off we are so glued to technology and yes our lives are so busy but when we get home you're absolutely right we have a choice in that moment to Disconnect from technology and connect with the people around us, or to blame work and school and getting sick and all these things as reasons we don't have time to connect. When really, if we have time to, I mean, check your phone screen time. If you have nine hours of screen time a day, you have time to have a conversation. It's just making it a priority.
0: Yeah, and that's really that's key right there because. You know, when somebody says, oh my God, I'm fat, I need to lose weight, but I don't have time. It's like, look at, your, look at your social media time. If you've been doing it for three, four, five hours a day, you have time to work out. You're just choosing not to. So, uh, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day. Why are some people more productive than others? You need to make the best use out of that 24 hours. Uh, you sleep for eight, so that leaves you 16 hours, okay? There's a lot we can accomplish every day in 16 hours. Uh, but people just are making bad choices and then they want to complain about it and blame other people.
1: That is very true. And I love how you said we sleep for eight hours because a lot of people take time away from sleep to do other things. And sleep is so important. I'm definitely one of those people who's super guilty of going, Oh, I'll just sleep four hours. And then I have all this extra time. And if I looked at my phone, I, I check my screen time all the time to say, you know what, I had 10 hours this day to be posting on Instagram, to be checking my story, see who's engaging when I could have maybe did that for eight hours and then had two more hours to sleep right. or had that time to get work done earlier in the day. So right. it really is a choice. And what I've also learned that's helpful and I'm wondering if you do this is I put my phone on sleep mode by eight o'clock. So if yeah. it's after 8 p.m., You're not, you can call and text me. It's a very good chance I'm not answering. I'm either talking with my family. I am reading, writing my journal or going to bed.
0: Yep. Me too. I'm the same thing. I have kind of a do not disturb and I make sure that I have no less than eight hours of sleep.
1: I love that because sleep is one of the most important things we can do. It's such a great reset. There is so much happening. Like we've said so many times, we have to have that time to sleep. So, other than engaging conversations, getting enough sleep, what is maybe one more piece of advice you could give somebody for their mental health?
0: You know, I would say um, the best things in life are free. And that includes uh, parks, beaches, lakes, just walking in nature. It does amazing things for me. It just gets me away from all the technology and to experience that quiet, In nature is just an awesome reset for me.
1: I love that. I'm a huge advocate for just sitting outside and just listening to the wind or letting the sun, like the feeling of the sun on my skin. I'm from Florida and that is my favorite thing in the world is just standing outside and feeling the sun, paying attention to the birds chirping and just kind of grounding myself in the moment laura you've been absolutely amazing today do you have any last thing you'd like to say before we wrap up
0: yeah just hang in there you know everybody kind of goes through good times and bad times and uh you know just make take care of you that that's the most important thing to take care of you and everything else will work out itself um if you want to follow us or, or find any more information about what we do it's at crime scene cleaning on instagram and TikTok.
1: Laura, thank you so much. You are absolutely amazing.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.